This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. Welcome to the Australian Finance Podcast. I'm Kate Campbell. And I'm Owen Rusk. And we're here to give you the tools and knowledge to invest both your time and money better. If you're new, feel free to jump in with our Starter Pack series that aired in early 2022 or our Shares or ETF mini series. We've got plenty to share with you in today's episode, but if you want to catch us on socials, head to Rask Australia on Insta and Twitter. I'm also found at Kate Campbell AUS on Insta. And I'm Owen Rask AU on Insta. Just beware of the fake accounts. We'll never DM you about trading strategies or crypto. And if it sounds a bit weird, it's probably not us. And just one final heads up before we get into the show. This podcast contains general financial information only. Hello and welcome back to the Australian Finance Podcast. I'm your host, Kate Campbell. And today I'm talking to one of Australia's leading property experts, Dr. Nicola Powell. Nicola comes from Domain. So if you've ever been looking for a place to buy or a place to rent, you've probably looked at Domain or realestate.com. And Nicola has more than 15 years of research in academic government and private areas when it comes to property. So I'm super excited to jump into this conversation. We talk about why the rental market is a little bit of a mess right now and how we got there, some of the solutions to the problem if Nicola is expecting to see a rental market prices fall anytime soon, some of the affordable places to live at the moment, and finally, some practical strategies for anyone renting at the moment to find a better place to live, find a better deal and make life a little bit easier. So with that being said, let's jump into the conversation. Nicola, welcome onto the Australian Finance Podcast today. Kate, thanks so much for having me. Now, it's great to have you on the show because you're an expert in property, rent, all of those things. And when we were on the road recently for our Rask Roadshow, we talked to listeners all across the country and the question about rental affordability came up time and time again. So that's why we're bringing you on the show to give us a little bit of an insight into what on earth is going on with the rental market because everyone talks about buying properties and being a homeowner, but people don't really talk about what it's like to be a renter. So uh, really excited to have you on the show today. I think it's such an interesting topic. You know, I've been in um, real estate analytics, property analytics for over a decade. That's what I've focused on, demographics, sales market and the rental market. And I cannot remember a period of time where we've seen such a heightened conversation around uh, our rental market. You know, it really has dominated that and interest rates. So rents and interest rates have been the dominator of conversation over 2023. It's been interesting. And one of your recent reports that you put out with Domain said that Australia needs about 70,000 or something like that, more rentals to make sure everyone has a place to live. It was something crazy like that. Look, it is quite a shocking statistic. And and what I find is if you can kind of really visually quantify something, it allows more people to actually understand, well, actually, this is how dire the situation is. So to have a balanced rental market, you need to have a vacancy rate that sits between 2 and 3%. That means it's balanced between landlords uh, and tenants. At the moment, we've got a landlord's market nationally that is across all of our capital cities and into the regional markets. Today, we have a vacancy rate sitting at about 0.8%. So it's very, very tight. 
and it is, you know, a landlord's market and competitive for tenants. So what we did is, well, how many rentals do we actually need to get that vacancy rate into that equilibrium, into that sweet spot between two and three percent? So we need today between forty to seventy thousand additional rentals across Australia. And to do that visualization, that is every single dwelling in the Newcastle LGA added to Australia's rental market. And that is going to be no easy task. So the the two to three percent number, because I'm not super familiar with that, does that mean that there's enough empty rental properties available that renters have a little bit more um, power in the, the rental market so they can negotiate prices more? They don't have to stand with 30 people at an inspection for a rental property? Yeah. So what you tend to find is when that vacancy rate is sitting between two and three percent, you tend to find that rents are pretty stable and that's a good outcome, I think, for both landlords and for tenants. When you get vacancy rates sitting higher than 3%, that's when you get declines in asking rents. And then when you've got vacancy rates below 2%, it means that, that there is strong competition between tenants and, you know, landlords uh, uh, definitely uh, have the guiding light in terms of being able to uh, hike uh, asking rent. So that's the kind of balance that we see. And, you know, we really want that vacancy rate between between 2 and 3% to get that overall balance dynamic across Australia's rental market. And it, it has been a landlord's market for some time. And, you know, there are some cities that have much lower vacancy rates, which, which means it's much more competitive for tenants. So um, Adelaide and Perth currently have a vacancy rate of 0.3%. Remember, we want it between 2 and 3%. So when you, you, if you're new arriving into Australia or perhaps you're moving from one city to the other and you're going to, to Perth or Adelaide, it's pretty much impossible to find an empty uh, rental across these two cities, you know, at 0.3%. And these cities have actually had tight rental markets for a number of months now. So, you know, this is an ongoing situation where we haven't suddenly just turned our heads and, okay, look, there's a tight rental market. This has been building for years. So how did we get to this point over the last few years where it's such a tough market for renters? It's certainly been a combination of factors and it's been really interesting to actually watch that unravel because we obviously saw vacancy rates bounce um, during the pandemic when we had those border closures, particularly so in our bigger cities that welcome more uh, overseas migrants uh, than others. But it has been a combination of factors, um, you know, a lack of uh, housing supply and particularly affordable housing supply. And when you've got very high property prices, you know, when you've got a median house price in Sydney sitting at about 1.5 million, what that does is lock people into the rental market for longer. You know, we've seen unprecedented headwinds within our construction industry, and that's slowed down uh, the completion of new homes. Um, so that's added to the shortfall of housing. Um, that's another reason. Some of the other aspects, we haven't built enough social housing across Australia and what that means, and it's a really important aspect um, of our community. We need to be providing social housing. So what that means is some of our more vulnerable Australians, those that are on those low uh, incomes, are forced into the private rental market, which is what we're talking about here, when they really should be uh, in, in social housing. Some of the other dynamics, and there is a bit of a, a long list here, is we've also seen a shrink in the, in the average household size. Now, that happened during the pandemic, which means that there were fewer people per household, fewer people per dwelling. And what that means is instantly you need more homes across Australia 
uh, to house the Australian population. Now, we started to see that a little bit reverse, um, and I think particularly that is occurring in the rental market because I think once you get affordability so stretched, what that does is it means that people have to reevaluate. Well, how do I cost cut? I cannot afford to live on my own. Uh, we, you know, perhaps I need to go into a house share uh, in order to cost cut rent. And I think that's what we're seeing, uh, particularly so in the rental market, is people reconsidering um, house sharing. Mm, that's so interesting. And and to get back towards that two to three percent vacancy rate, does change have to come from the government? Absolutely. You know, I, I think. Really, I mean, it also flows onto the sales market too. The underlying thing here is we have not built enough homes. We have not built enough homes, and this has been building up and up over a number of years. Supply is the key. And I think what's been quite interesting um, over 2023, supply has become the focus. We've seen the housing accord. Um, you know, we've got that North Star of 1.2 million homes to be built over the next five years, which means we need to see 240,000 homes uh, being delivered every single year. But whether or not, you know, and this is up for discussion, will we be able to achieve that? I'm actually really pleased that we've got governments focused on supply because, you know, we're talking about the rental market here. But what we also need to consider is there are some people in the rental market that desperately, desperately want to own their own home. Mm-hmm. And affordability is just locking them in. You know, they're facing higher and higher rents. Uh, mortgage rates have also increased. So the cost of debt is much higher. And then coupled with that, you've got high property prices too. So, you know, there are so many interlinks between the for sale and the for rental market. And I think, you know, when we're having those big picture discussions, supply, I'm so pleased that it is at the top of the, it seems to be at the top of the agenda for for governments. It's the first time that I've really um, heard government speak seriously about supply. And I think this is the issue. I think what's been really interesting is we've seen demand really ping back strongly as a result of overseas migration. You know, we have seen record levels of, of overseas migrants coming back in. And, you know, that's expected. That's that post uh, COVID migration boom into Australia. Um, but what we've done is we've um, increased um, population growth at a time where the rental market was already really struggling. Um, and that's due to a variety of different reasons. And the thing here is supply takes a long time to come to market. And what we need to ensure is if we are increasing population growth, we have enough homes to house people that new residents into Australia. Um, and I think it's really important and, and pleasing to see that government is actually focused on supply. So if someone listening to this right now is renting, their landlord has hiked up their rent this year, it's suddenly taking up a huge amount of their paycheck, can they expect any sort of more attractive rents available anytime soon? Look, it is it is challenging and I think um, the vacancy rate is low. And so when you've got a tight vacancy rate, it suggests that we are likely to continue to see rents rise. Mm -hmm. But I think there's another underlying dynamic that goes on, and that is stretched affordability. And tenants are feeling that. You know, they've seen um, rapid uh, increases uh, in rents. And, you know, on the flip side of that, and we didn't mention this earlier, you've got investors. Investors have have faced such a blowout in the cost of holding debt also. And what that means is some investors have just had to tap out. They've had to sell off their investment properties because it just doesn't stack up for them. And Mm -hmm. you can understand that. And actually, investors are much quicker 
to flick off a property if the balance sheet doesn't add up and they can't financially uh, hold on to that dwelling, where for an owner-occupier, you know, they will sell the shirt off their back in order to cover their mortgage repayments. It's very different. And, you know, I think tenants are feeling the impact of investors selling out of the housing market. I think we're still going to see that. You know, we're still going to see investors selling off because I think we saw another rate hike from the RBA. The cost of debt is going to remain higher for longer than it was initially anticipated. I think going back to your original question, is there any, you know, uh, uh, light at the end of the... Relief in sight, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's, I think that we are starting to see a slowdown in rental growth. And I think that's occurring because we're probably seeing um, house shares form. We're seeing um, actually in our bigger capital cities, the number of people per dwelling is now starting to increase. Um, it's still below what it was pre-pandemic, but it is rising. Um, we're likely to see rents continue to rise, but I don't think we're going to see them rise at the paces that we were seeing. And that is because of that stretched affordability. And what you get in the rental market is, a tenant can't afford the rent. It means that they go to a house share or they go to a more affordable property type, they go to a unit or they go elsewhere. You know, they, they start to look look um, a broader afield to a more affordable suburb. You get that ripple effect occurring uh, within the rental market. Hmm. Anecdotally, I had a few friends recently who were trying to find new house shares because it was quite expensive to be living on their own and they were going to house share inspections. And so there was 20 or 30 other people inspecting this bedroom as part of a a house that two or three other people were living in. And it was quite a competitive market too in that market itself. Yeah, I, I can absolutely imagine that. And I think some of the other, you know, the social aspects that occur when you've got tight rental markets too, you know, we've got to consider the number of people that are actually underhoused. So what that means is they're not living in a home that suits their needs. It might mean they don't have enough bedrooms for the children that they have. It might mean that they're, you know, not living in suitable housing. Um, and that is, that is something that we have uh, across Australia. And some of the other uh, impacts um, is... I've spoken to many tenants about this actually, is rental anxiety. And what I mean by rental anxiety is you're currently in a, a, a rental, uh, but maybe your shower is leaking or the tap starts to leak, but you're scared to actually raise that with your property manager because you don't want to give them a reason for them to not renew your lease when it comes up uh, for renewal um, or give them any kind of case to not renew that lease or increase their rent next time. And that is also an issue. You know, you need to be able to raising problems that within your rental um, to get it to a standard or rental should be at a certain standard. So, you know, I think that rental anxiety, which I have spoken to a number of people, is actually something that is occurring across Australia, into regional Australia, as well as our capitals. I think it's a really point, important point to talk about because tenants do have a lot of rights, but it's those sort of underlying things where well, your landlord could increase your rent and so you don't want to bring them up that are happening that aren't necessarily being reported about. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And I, and I think um, we haven't really dived into the landlord either. You know, I do think that there is an element sometimes. I do think the landlord is almost demonised and that is um, not correct because you have to consider that in Australia, um, you know, most of the rental properties are actually provided by mum and dad investors. I'm not talking about somebody who owns 20 properties. They may own one or one or two. Um, so we really need to view them as small business owners, you know, and I think 
we need to also consider that they're also the strain that's also on some of these investors. If you're a mum and dad investor and you have one rental property and all of a sudden your uh, um, payments on that investment property from a mortgage perspective have gone through the roof, you can understand why part of that needs to go into higher rents. Now, higher interest rates don't necessarily mean that rents are going to rise. It's overall market dynamics that create that. And the market dynamics of the moment is we don't have enough rentals, full stop. And that's yeah. what's causing rents to rise. But there is also this other side where we've seen the higher cost of debt and you can understand why some landlords are having to sell off, which is also that negative feed into uh, the rental market. Yeah, I don't know if you've noticed it before this year, but this year seems to be the first year where there seems to be a really negative sentiment about against anyone who owns a rental property that's not their primary residence. Yeah, I, I well, in, in the context of whether they it's left empty and they use it as a holiday home or in the context oh, of they're actually... That you shouldn't out. have more than one property. Yeah, and look, this is the interesting dynamic in Australia is that we do see property as that vehicle to building generational wealth. Um, and, you know, there is this divide between the haves and haves-nots. You know, it is certainly something that, it, that is... Uh, uh, across Australia. and But I think we go back to that original point that we were just discussing is that most rental properties are owned by mum and dad investors. And, you know, they are a key player in our rental market. And actually, what we need to do is encourage investment activity. We need to encourage investors back to the market. Um, and, you know, that is challenging in the face of um, what we've seen in terms of the cash rate moving so much higher over the last uh, 18 months. But we need more rental supply or we need to think differently about what is the type of rental supply. So things like build to rent, which is very much in its infancy in Australia, um, it's a very successful model in the US and in the UK and has been established for many, many years in both of those countries. Now, I'm not saying that that is the solution for the rental crisis that we have across Australia, but it can be part of the solution. And this is where you have um, institutional investment um, and you've got big high-rise developments that are built to rent. So they are, you know, it does what it says on the tin. And Melbourne's leading the way in this. There are a few already across Australia, but it's such a low uh, proportion, uh, particularly when you compare it to the UK and the US. Yeah, it's interesting thinking about all the different possible parts of the solution because it's not something that can be solved uh, overnight or with one one single answer. So I guess looking at something a little bit lighter, are there in the data that you've looked at, is there any places in Australia where it is actually easier to find a rental right now and maybe a bit more affordable? Look, there are. And even at that capital city level, you've got a little bit of diversity across the different uh, cities. There are some cities that have uh, currently record low vacancy rates. So that is Sydney and Perth are sitting at a record low. Other, other cities are very, very tight, but are kind of moved away from their record low. The one city I would call out would be Canberra. So Canberra is actually the, the city that is um, edging towards a more balanced market. So it actually has a vacancy rate of 1.6%. So it's getting close to that 2%, you know, uh, benchmark that we were talking about at the very beginning. Um, and you're seeing that come out in Canberra rents have pulled back, um, back a little bit. Um, and you know, we've got that vacancy rate this time last year it was at 1% and it's now sitting at 1.6. What I would say for anybody, you know, trying in a very tight rental market in a tight city, um, 
It does depend on your location. So Melbourne City, um, so Melbourne CBD, um, has a vacancy rate of 2.9%. So that's actually much more balanced than some of the other areas. Um, if you're looking towards Sydney, so Rouse Hill has got a vacancy rate of 1.9. So is edging again towards that 2%. So what I would be doing is we do a vacancy rate report, which is published on domain every single month. And we do that from a city down to a smaller uh, geographic location. Mm-hmm. And what that does is allows you to pick out some of those areas that have a higher vacancy rate compared to others. You know, when you look at Adelaide, we we were talking about Adelaide uh, earlier, you know, that has a vacancy rate as a citywide 0.3%. But the CBD, it's still very, very tight, but the CBD is 0.6. So conditions there are much better than some of the other areas like West Torrens that has a vacancy rate of 0.2%. So what it showcases is there is still diversity amongst the different suburbs. Uh, And particularly when you look at Melbourne, Melbourne City, 2.9, it shows that you've got much better chances of finding somewhere. Um, I think the next equation then kind of goes, well, do I find somewhere within my budget also? Mm. And is that because I know in Melbourne CBD there's a lot of high rises and very smaller smaller apartments there. Is that probably part yeah, of it? Melbourne, yeah, well, Melbourne, you know, Melbourne CBD is obviously the biggest proportion of rentals uh, uh, anywhere in Greater Melbourne area. Um, yeah. So there is a lot more choice, and also Melbourne City um, did see the impacts um, more so during the pandemic where we saw that vacancy rate in Melbourne CBD absolutely soar and it was just a wash uh, with rental supply. So we've obviously seen it shrink significantly um, and I think there's probably some of those dynamics still going on um, and I think it's going to be interesting. So we get this peak changeover uh, period as well within the rental market and that is coming up. You know, it occurs towards the end of the year. You start to see supply rise, rental supply rise, that's seasonal, because we see that it's the biggest changeover period is is January time, you know, new leases are signed and you get that changeover. Um, so it's going to be a really interesting period to watch to see what happens with vacancy rates. Um, I do think it's going to be challenging and probably one of the more challenging changeover periods that we've ever seen. But what you will find is supply will rise and it will be higher than what we have seen in previous months, if that makes sense. But that is the seasonal impact that we tend to see. Yeah. And that's a really good strategy as well. If you're finding it difficult to find a rental where you are living currently, maybe using a tool like that domain report and finding those pockets that might be worth focusing more of your attention on. So you have an easier time finding something maybe less people to compete with. Absolutely. And and I do think, I hate the word compromise, but um, we all make compromises in life and all of our choices that we do. I won't have that coffee this morning, you know, that that type of thing. I think that big picture, you know, when you're buying your first home or you're looking for a rental, I think particularly under these circumstances, what are my must-haves and what are the things I'm willing to compromise on? So it might be I want two bedrooms. I need to have, I would like three, but I actually just need two. So, and I think that's where that, you know, I I would be really kind of clear on what am I actually looking for and what am I willing to uh, not have, but would be on the highly desirable list. Um, And I think as well, if you're looking for a new, if you're a tenant out there and you're looking for a new lease, research, you know, I'm a researcher, but I really highly encourage everybody to do their research. You know, if you're, say if your landlord has come back or your property manager has come back and gone, rents are going to go up by this when you're signing a new lease, 
go out and arm yourself with information. Information and data is power because you need to make sure that what is being presented to you is an accurate reflection of what's happening happening in your area. So I would be looking at properties that are very similar in that location and seeing if what they're coming to you with um, is accurate for those dynamics that have gone on. Also, don't underestimate the power of a tenant. If you are a tenant that pays their rent on time and you're a tenant that looks after the investment property, that home, that is well considered from a, from a landlord's perspective. So don't underestimate that as a negotiation power too because or some of the other things is be perhaps consider uh, signing a two-year lease or a longer lease. You know, this is very uh, typical practice in, in Europe country, European countries where they have longer-term leases. And I actually think it's a model we need to adopt in Australia because more of us are renting and we're renting for longer. Some people want to be able to make their rental property their home. And to do yeah. that, you, 12 months is over so quick. You want a longer-term lease. You know, three to five years in some of these European countries, are you know, that's the type of lease that is offered. And I think that we can learn a lot from countries that operate those types of systems. Yeah. Do you have any other strategies for renters right now trying to manage finding places or navigating the landlord relationship? Yeah, look, I definitely, you know, um, information is key. Do, research is number one. I think, say, if you're um, fresh uh, to, you're not renewing your lease and you're, you're, you're actually looking for somewhere new, I think you need to be ready, it, particularly we're about to go into the changeover period. So what that means is there might be higher supply but there is going to be a lot more tenants looking for somewhere to live. Mm. So what you need to do is just be ready. Be ready to um, pay the deposit, apply online if you can, because that actually speeds up the process as well for a property manager. So anything where you can streamline a process and once it is offered to you, make sure you secure it with the right paperwork and um, the deposit when you're actually asked, because if you don't move quickly, that's when you risk actually losing being offered that particular property. Hmm. Yeah, there's a, a lot to think about. It's uh, I've been out of the rental market for a year and a bit, so I haven't had to worry about all of this. But I know from friends and family, it's quite a challenging experience right now. And I, one friend did have some success when her landlord tried to put off up the rent by quite a lot by just writing a very detailed list of everything that was wrong with the property and uh, apparently they didn't hear back and the rent didn't go <laughs> up and that was a few months ago so maybe that's well, a, an approach you can take. Look what a great example you know I think um, you know I think it's and this is where you really it's that information piece you know information mm. is key and and you know, I think it is challenging and I, 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 I read in the newspapers a lot around, you know, stories around families that have young children and they're, they're being kicked out of their rental again. And you've got to think that if you are a family that's renting, you're connected to a school. You know, you're in a school catchment zone. You can't keep changing where your child goes to school every 12 months. So these are where I'm actually a very big advocate of longer term leases. Yeah. If we are purchasing our first homes later in life, um, and for some people, they will be lifelong renters. Maybe that's choice. Maybe that's financial, the financial impacts of just not being able to afford to purchase. Um, I do think that we really need to make that consideration about longer term leases here. 
Yeah, and I think longer-term leases would make it easier to be a lifelong renter because you could make the place your home and feel a bit more certainty, whereas there's a lot of anxiety if you don't know if you're going to get kicked out of your rental after 12 months or have the rent increase so much it's just not affordable for you. Absolutely. And then also think about the costs associating with keep moving rental property. You know, it, it's, it adds up for sure. Nicola, we've covered a lot in today's conversation. I've certainly learned a thing or two about the dynamics of the rental market in Australia. But if you had to give one tip for listeners who are renting right now, what would that be? I think I would definitely be sure that I was across the dynamics of the area in which I'm either looking to rent or where I'm currently renting. And that's understanding where that vacancy rate is because it gives you a lot uh, to really have that deep understanding of the dynamics uh, that are going on. I think as well, say if you're a, um, a renter and you're actually, your North Star is you want to purchase, I would say having that um, savings journey in place is really in key for, uh, as soon as you can. I know it's very challenging under today's environment, but also consider all of the first home buyer incentives that are out there. Um, help to buy should come. So that's that shared equity scheme with the government should come into fruition in 2024. That should help, particularly uh, it's uh, geared towards low to middle income earners. It should help some in the rental market transition to being a homeowner. So what I would be sure to do is actually be across the different incentives. Some of them have an expiry, expiry date and things like help to buy will come into play, hopefully, fingers crossed, next year. So that's what, that's what I would be is firstly understand understand the vacancy rate and secondly, understand those incentives. So you've got that pathway to actually buying your home if that's what you are, you know, that North Star is. Wonderful. Well, Nicola, if people want to learn more about you or access some of the resources that Domain has, where should they head to? Yeah, head on to domain.com.au. Wonderful. Well, make sure that's linked in the show notes along with the rental report so people can go and find out a bit more. But thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me, Kay. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast. We hope you learned something new and were able to take one thing away from this episode. If you're keen to learn more, head on over to Rask Education and take one of our free money and investing courses. You could even become a Rask Core member for less than your Netflix subscription each month. And don't forget to subscribe for new episodes in your inbox every week. Plus, if you enjoyed the show, we'd love you to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and send any questions our way via the link in the description. And before we go on, did this podcast contain personal financial advice just for me? Absolutely not, Kate. Our podcast actually contains general financial information only. What that means is the information does not take into account your financial needs, goals, objectives, or even your situation. So because of that, it's important that you consider if the information is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on it. If that all sounds a bit confusing or you're still working out what your needs are, it's a great idea to consult a licensed and trusted financial planner. And don't forget to do your own research. I am so excited to tell you that InvestSmart and Intelligent Investor are long-term sponsors of this podcast. And here's something I want to tell you about. The Intelligent Investor Select Value Fund is a unique mix of global leaders and homegrown small caps poised for long-term growth. The portfolio manager is Nathan Bell, a talented investor you may have heard on the RAS network multiple times. 
The Select Value Fund is designed for investors seeking international diversification and Aussie companies with superior financial metrics. You can invest today at intelligentinvestor.com.au slash IISV offer. That's intelligentinvestor.com.au slash IISV offer. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Before you go, I wanted to share some things with you. Specifically, I wanted to tell you about the 10 ways that Rask could help you in 2024. As many of you know, Rask has grown to become one of the biggest investing and finance platforms in Australia. Across our podcasts, our websites, our memberships, and so on, we now engage around 200,000 Aussies, which considering we started in a humble lounge room on a Kmart desk, one of those old fake white wooden ones, I'm pretty ecstatic about where we are six years later. As part of becoming one of Australia's biggest platforms for wealth creation and preservation, we now have a very special position in the country in that we can bring you some of the best, most thoughtful, expert-driven ways to protect and grow your wealth. And I'm going to share some of those with you now. I've got 10 ways that we can potentially help you or match you with someone who can. The first thing that I want to tell you about is the biggest step we've ever taken at Rask, which is the launch of our Rask Invest platform. This is a platform that lets our team, led by me, invest for you, primarily through low-cost, diversified ETFs. We'll have three strategies at launch, and every investor who comes through can pick one of the three strategies being a balanced strategy, a growth strategy, and a high-growth strategy. The balance strategy focuses on passive income and the high growth strategy focuses on longer term compounding. You will find a link in your podcast player to register your interest. We will be taking off soon. Number two, if you prefer to DIY your investing, you can join me and over 4,000 members inside Rascore. That's our full ETF and ASX share research membership community. You can join now and you'll get updated ETF portfolio recommendations every quarter, as well as ongoing ASX and global stock research. Every single month, we call them the all-star stocks. You get that alongside the ETF portfolios, as well as other members-only content. It's called Rascore. Number three, our first ever partnership with a business other than our own was a business by the name of Blusk, which has since become Flint Group. Flint Group is led by Chris Bates and Christian Stevens, two of Australia's most highly regarded mortgage brokers. Already over 200 RAS community members have begun the RASC plus Flint Group mortgage broking process. You can click the link in your podcast player if you're refinancing, investing, a first home buyer, or whatever. You've probably heard Chris on the show many times. Number four, you can connect with our most trusted financial advisors. Whether you're 25 years old, just graduated uni and looking to set yourself up or approaching or in retirement and you've got that nest egg you want to protect and generate a passive income from, you can get in contact with our trusted panel of financial advisors. You can find the link in your podcast player. It's there each and every week. Just click the thing that says financial planning. Number five, if you want specialist insurance advice, as Warren Buffett said, rule number one is don't lose money. And rule number two is don't forget rule number one. Insurance is vitally important, especially when it comes to your number one asset, you. 
whether you're a single income household or a couple, and you just want to protect what would happen if. You want to protect your family if something goes wrong. You want to protect your spouse if you lose your job. You want to protect yourself if you hurt yourself on the weekend at footy. Insurance is a way to do that. And I think the best way to do insurance is through a financial planner. And there's a few reasons for that. But one of them is sometimes some insurers will only work with financial advisors, but they can also be your companion as you go through the sometimes daunting process of getting insurance done properly. Sometimes you might not even know, but you're not even covered, even though you think you are. So get the right advice. You'll find a link in the show notes to check that out. Number six, buying property. If you're like me and you're thinking of buying property in the next 12 months, or maybe you've already invested and you're looking to downsize, getting the right advice and being able to build wealth through property is a proven strategy. It might be one of the most contentious, but I think that we have one of Australia's best property coaches in our ranks. That is Pete Wargen. Pete is the host of the now super popular Australian property podcast by Rask, and he's also my analyst team's macro consultant. So if you're a member of Rascor, you will have seen Pete's name around the traps. He's a property coach and buyer's agent, and he works with a select number of people each and every year. Just a note on this. This is not a commercial thing with Pete. Pete just has great services, so we offer them to the community. And when he fills up, he fills up. You can find out more about Pete's coaching in the show notes. Next up, tracking your portfolio for tax. I think you are because I think you have to. So we've partnered with Nevexa to help you manage your share and ETF reporting, whether it's tax or performance. All Rask users get 20% off an annual plan with Nevexa. You can sync your portfolio with Nevexa's software and it automatically tracks your dividends, your capital gains tax, and more. Again, not a commercial partnership. We don't make anything from working with Nevexa, but they do create some great tools which the Rask community uses each and every day. Number eight, want to run your own business? Maybe you already do. If you want more profit, but less stress, less time consumed, and less energy lost, get in contact. We have a partner business called Inflection. The Inflection Accelerator Program is a complete online course that helps you and a community of members engage and follow a proven strategy for growing your business. I'm grateful to be one of the coaches inside the Accelerator program, helping business owners right across Australia. You can find more following the link in your podcast player. It's the one that says coaching. Number nine, if you haven't already checked it out, join over 20,000 other people who tune into the Rask YouTube channel. It is completely free and you get notified when we go live and when we publish podcast episodes. There is a podcast on the Rask network each and every day, as well as bite-sized material that's less than 60 seconds or those really punchy tutorials and webinars that are just 15 minutes that take you through a really exciting topic, whether it's how to buy a property, whether it's how to pick a dividend ETF. Some of our most popular content actually just explains things like, what the heck is franking credits and how do I calculate if I've got some? That's on our YouTube channel. Number 10, if you want to be a better investor, a saver, a better partner with money, or just understand your own relationship with money, you can do that all of that by going to the Rask Education website and taking a free course. We've enrolled over 26,000 students at the time of this recording, and we're on a mission to get to 100,000 in the next few years. 
Rask Education is our f- mostly free education platform covering everything from budgeting and automation to the probably I would say the best value investing program in the country. So whether you're a value investor, an intermediate investor, you want to know how to value Woolworth shares, or you simply just want to understand what ethical investing is or buy your first property and what actually happens on settlement day, head to the Rask Education website and enroll in something today. It is free and it supports us because then I can come on here next month and I can say we've got 27,000 and hopefully we reach critical mass where we can help more Australians manage their money better. Thank you for listening to this long-winded ad. If you want to get in contact with me, you know where to go. There's a link in your show notes. Basically, these 10 services, even though some of them we don't make any money from, support RASC and allow us to produce these podcasts, attract the biggest and best guests from Australia and around the world, and bring them to you to answer your questions. Thank you for being part of the RASC network, and thank you for your ongoing support. Bye for now.